Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the space and help lead the charge towards a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Brad Cam and Matthew Gold, co-founders at Unstoppable Domains, and our special guest today, Tim Draper. As you all know, Tim is a venture capitalist, investor, and founder of uh, Draper Associates, Draper University, many other things as well. Welcome, Tim. I'm so excited to have you here today. Great. I'm excited to be here. I love that you guys have a podcast. Thanks so much for being here. So to kick us off, uh, I, I know that you're a big time you know, in- investor and fan of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general. Why don't you start by just telling people how you would explain cryptocurrency to somebody who's new to the space? Cryptocurrency would take a long time, but Bitcoin, I can explain that it's just better current from the user standpoint. It's open, transparent, it's global, frictionless, decentralized, big word for you guys. And it crosses borders. You're not subject to political whim. You're not subject to when a government decides they want to print 1.3 trillion currency. You, you aren't forced to have an inflationary economy. Instead, you can build an economy that's that's very solid, and there are only 21 million Bitcoin out there, so you know they're not. It's not going to be inflationary, and it's so exciting what can potentially happen now, because one Bitcoin. People say, "Oh, it's very volatile." Well, one Bitcoin is equal to one Bitcoin. It's just all these other currencies are volatile against a Bitcoin as they slowly disappear from our use, and and then the the other great thing about it is that it it flattens the earth very much because not only can you send remittance across border very easily, you can pay people easily across border. And let's say you're in Argentina and you know that your currency is going to drop 75% next year. Why would you build anything of great value in Argentinian pesos when you know that it will just diminish the next year. They don't trust their currency. They don't trust their government. Same thing in Nigeria, many of African countries, some uh, Southeast Asian countries where they don't trust their currency. If you don't have trust in your currency, you, you don't want to build anything of great value. Well, now that there's Bitcoin, people will change their approach. They'll say, hey, I can build this in Bitcoin. I can build something of great value. And I can be rewarded for it. And then from the standpoint of an employer, if I pay people in Bitcoin, they'll be thrilled in Pakistan and in the U.S., all these regulations that they're putting down on uh, on employers, they're they're basically forcing employers to look elsewhere because now you can you can hire people that are just on Zoom and that they can be anywhere. People can move anywhere. So I think we're going through a whole anthropological shift. We're going from uh, where we were tribal and tied to borders to now we're global and open and transparent. And now, and we, and Bitcoin is that. It is 
it's the currency of that new world. And unstoppable is the communication system and the wallet for that world. Appreciate the uh, the plug there. We certainly think that unstoppable domains has a big part to play to make cryptocurrency easier to use across the entire internet. And that actually leads me to my next question. What do you think is actually stopping, you know, your friends and family, you know, your dog from using crypto? What is the resistance? Is it just, is it just going to take time for people to move over here? Or, uh, you know, are there specific things that uh, entrepreneurs in the space need to innovate to make better? Well, ease of use is a big deal, but um, my friends and family are all Bitcoin people. (laughs) I've been talking about it for so long. They're finally starting to come around. The friends, the family has been on on board from the word go because you know we're the Drapers. We're always looking out and you know at and envisioning the future and what it'll look like. And when they see a new currency that's going to be the future currency, they're going to all get involved. So they have. And my friends, some of them jumped on board right when I talked about it, and some of them have come back regretting that they didn't. And we have very funny stories about where I gave away Bitcoin coins to all the speakers at Draper University. These, um, I forget the name of the company, Ken. Sorry, with C. Cassius Coins, yes. Cassius Coins. So I gave one to each of my speakers. That was when Bitcoin was about $200. And I thought, well, that's a good speaking fee for you guys. And, and, uh, and they've, and, and, you know, most of them just, put them away, hit them, did whatever they wanted to do with them. (laughs) I was just talking to Harris Barton and he said, when I heard that these things were worth 35,000, now of course they're 50,000 today. When I heard they were worth $35,000, I tore the house apart looking for the stupid thing. (laughs) But we've also got great, I told Harris, but it's okay. You can say your speaking fee is $35,000. Yeah. One Bitcoin. Well, speaking of speaking of price predictions, so actually on September 24th, 2014, and this is a while ago, you predicted the price of Bitcoin will reach 10,000 in three years. And then on uh, November 29th, 2017, Bitcoin reached 10,000. First of all, how did you do that? And then what's the... I was off for I, I was off a month or two. Only, right? only you were you were... So I think I was off by a month. Right, right. So how, how did you do that in the first place? And then... And the first time, the first time Bitcoin, when I said it, 10,000, I think Bitcoin was at 400, something like that. And, uh, and people looked at me funny and, you know, well, you're out of your mind or whatever. Um, this last time I, I predicted when Bitcoin had dropped to about 4,000 and I said 250,000 by 2022 or 20, early 2023, late 2022, early 2023. And people are looking at me now and saying, oh my gosh, this is, this may actually happen too. So how did I do it? I've had a long history in watching new technologies evolve and be adopted. And I get a good sense for how big markets are and how, how big something like this can get. And, and I know that the pattern that they go through, uh, that it, it goes in fits and starts, and there's a sort of a hype thing. And that's what I was expecting in 2017 was this sort of hype thing that would happen. And then there's a trough. And then what happens is people are innovating and they're working around that, that new technology for a while. 
and then slowly but surely it starts picking up again and it's a much more steady uh, progression and then eventually it becomes it grows into our world so much that we we hardly remember not having it and now you're seeing the institutions in the financial world blackrock today just said well yeah we're starting to encourage our clients and we're we're buying bitcoin for some of our clients and and of course uh, Elon Musk bought a billion and a half dollars worth of bitcoin for Tesla to hold on his balance sheet and then many others are following suit and you're 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 starting to see that people are realizing that this is not just a new currency but it's it's a hedge against bad governance. It's it's a global opportunity. It's a way of connecting the world. It's a, a way for actually for the fiduciaries to um, they they kind of have to own some Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation when the when the um, government printing press prints three trillion dollars. So this is it's starting to happen. It will progressively happen more and more and more. And as a currency spreads, it grows in value. If we were the, if I was the only holder of Bitcoin in the world, it would be worthless. But it, once two people recognize a the value, then the two of them, then it's sort of worth one. And then three people, now it's worth three and four people, now it's worth six. And it grows exponentially as more nodes are added to the network. And that is happening. Well, uh, I can I can proudly say that Unstoppable Domains beat Tesla to the punch there, uh, putting uh, Bitcoin on our balance sheet, and it's worked really well for us. And I actually think a lot of other people are going to uh, do that too. So, last one on the price, because I just have to ask, what do you think is the you know what do you see as the ultimate you know market cap for Bitcoin? You know, what do you think you know Bitcoin? What's the max price, or like what do you think is a price? Bitcoin could achieve at scale? Don't you don't have to put a date on it. I'm actually just curious uh, where you think the market. Oh, we're, uh, I mean, there are uh, the current currency holdings around the world in fiat, in, in dollars, is about $100 trillion. And Bitcoin's market cap is just reaching a trillion now. So there's no reason it can't go up 100-fold. And it, it's not like it's going to completely replace the dollar, although I think people are going to laugh when when you're trying to buy things for dollars in the future, they're going to laugh at you. It'll be like, here, take my Confederate money or my drachma or whatever, it, it, you know, currencies that are out of, out of date. Um, and I think it's going to look that way, but, um, but I think it also expands the market for currency because this currency can move much faster than other currencies. It is, frictionless. You can actually, you can transact business much faster in Bitcoin and that will compound over time. It'll get more, it'll get quicker and more efficient and it'll compound over time. So, uh, so you're, uh, you're investing in, in crypto companies as well as in Bitcoin. What are some of the ideas that have been uh, keeping you up at night lately? What have you been thinking about before you go to sleep? Well, I, I think about uh, unstoppable domains. And you guys are doing such great, such a great service for the world, being able to um, create free speech for the world and allow that not to be centralized where somebody can be muted 
or, or canceled, as they call it. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think actually creating decentralized crypto wallets, I think, is fabulous. I think that's, a, that's an amazing service that you're providing. In addition, I'll tell you what I'm looking at. I'm looking at anything. And in fact, on my tie, I've got this, I got a big Bitcoin, and then I designed this tie. It says hashtag DGov. And the thinking there is anything that's decentralized that kind of creates a decentralized government or or competitive governance or governance that's accountable to its people. And I think that that the decentralized world is making those governments be accountable to their people. The governments are resisting it in some cases, and it, they do it to their own peril. And so I'm looking for those kinds of companies. And that could mean decentralized insurance, uh, which is really an interesting place to be looking because you can use uh, uh, smart contracts instead of claims. You, you take smart contracts and surveillance, and you can actually have an insurance company that is a much happier insurance company uh, because you you can pay the claim before the person issues the claim. You can actually send a check. The surveillance says, yes, your house is just burned down. Here is the money for your house before you've even filled out a form and issued a claim. I think that that kind of insurance company would be very popular because right now you pay your premium, pay your premium, pay your premium, then you issue a claim, and then you're fighting with the insurance company to find out whether you're going to get any money. It It's a, a, a battle instead of a, a happy service. And what is government but a bunch of insurance companies? There, there's healthcare insurance and workman's comp insurance and uh, social security, which is also insurance. Uh, welfare, another kind of insurance. And all of these can be done offshore. I mean, you could actually create all these services. And if you have a, a satellite or a boat that's 11 miles offshore and create a country and say, here, we're providing these insurance programs. So I think the world is ready for this decentralization. People are less and less happy with their governments over the last, in fact, that has that has been a trend for the last five years, but the last year, they've been the most unhappy with their governments. And they are looking for an alternative. They're looking for to force their governments to be more efficient and more effective and do a better job. And also to potentially get some of these services from other places. The, the idea came to me when I, uh, about uh, decentralized open free market for government uh, was when I met with the um, prime minister and then the president later of Estonia, and they explained how they created the virtual residency program. And they said, you know, by using digital signatures, we save 2% of our GDP and digital voting brought in the young population to vote and uh, then digital identity lowered the crime rate and increased the business climate and improved the business climate. And then they said, and here's this virtual citizenship or residency program. And they made me the third virtual resident. And now I think there are half a million virtual residents of Estonia. And they only have a million three people in Estonia. 
And so that means that they can compete. If they start providing real government services there, they can start competing outside of their uh, world. And so I love that area. I, I also um, love that uh, healthcare is going to be decentralized. Uh, it, it's going to be our company, Cloud Medics, does a better job than the average doctor in in diagnosing a disease. And uh, when combined with a doctor, does even a better job. And then in uh, therapeutics, that can all be digital too. It's it, it can be like, oh, what's your blood type? What's your genetic history? What's your you know medical history? Oh, here's a drug for you. Boom, can be just done on the screen, and they can ship the drug overnight. So I think you've got some major changes in the biggest industries in the world happening right now. So you guys are going after communications and wallet holding, whether that they call that banking or what they call it, finance. But others are going after insurance and healthcare and government. And those are going to be big, big, big areas. So uh, Coinbase is the first crypto company that looks like they're going to get listed on the stock exchange next month. And so I just got to ask, like, how long do you think it's going to be before uh, crypto native companies start replacing like replacing large companies um you know coinbase is kind of like a big exchange less bank for example how long before a crypto company you know replaces visa or paypal uh, on the stock market or do you think these companies are are going to adapt now you're coming from the startup side so i know you're biased but i'm just you know what's what's your timeline on well i'm always careful about saying replace i always think they enhance and they create new services and it does transform industries and yes i think you're going to see, well, right now you can use OpenNode. Uh, if you're a retailer, you can use OpenNode and accept Bitcoin and the transaction speed and the uh, scale of the business can, with Bitcoin can be um, faster than the Visa network. And so it's coming. You're going to see this decentralization coming. And it's going to be faster and faster and faster. What they do is they operate off chain and then uh, and then bring it back on chain later if they feel like it. Otherwise, they just hold it. But they have solved the problem of speed for retailers. And so there's really, I mean, if I'm a retailer, I would so much rather take Bitcoin than dollars for many reasons. And if I'm using OpenNode now, I can actually use I can use Bitcoin and accept it and it and the transactions can happen just as fast or faster with a visa network than the visa network. And I don't have to pay two and a half to four percent to the banks every time somebody swipes a credit card. So this is a big change and that could happen very quickly. Once people start saying, and, and this is happening, I, I know a couple of companies that are doing it, we're giving a discount for using Bitcoin. That's that's the thing that starts to open up the shopper. Well, uh, one of the things you touched on earlier that I actually I'm a really big fan of is the Estonian e-residency. I didn't know you were the third resident or that's pretty amazing to be top 10. Uh, and like I'm a big. I was actually supposed to be first, but he met the New York Times guy just before he came to Draper University. And so he got the first one and then I was going to be second. But I brought in my partner. Steve Jurvetson, who's Estonian. And I thought, well, okay, you can have number two. I'll take number three. We're good. 
<laughs> well, I mean, still top 10. I mean, and now there's over 500,000 people registered. And I think people are really underestimating how big something like this could be. Like I'm a huge proponent of consumer owned data. Like these markets are huge. You have these problems in you know Europe with GDPR. You see all these problems in the US with lock-in on some of these social networks like Facebook and Twitter. Um, and you know they're making decisions that may, maybe other people don't agree with. But you know, so how do you think freedom makes people richer? Like, because it definitely gives you more options because you can choose more things. But I think a lot of people out there forget that that you know freedom actually makes you wealthier just overall. And and like, how does how does cryptocurrency and Bitcoin play into that? Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to the Prime Minister of Kazakhstan several years ago, and I said, Hey, why don't you guys do this? You could have a billion Kazakhs you know, running around the world. And Kazakh, it turns out, means means free. It's not a particularly free country right now, but it could be. And they could operate outside of Kazakhstan. You know, they could have people anywhere around the world. Well, here's how I look at freedom. There are two things that make for it a great world, and they are trust and freedom. And whenever you see a poor country, it's because they have leadership that they don't trust because they don't want to build anything because they'll come in there and take it from them. Or they have a, a system of government that that controls them so that all the economic value goes up into the government and then gets swept around. And then the government decides what everybody gets and what everybody does. This is one of the things that made me originally very excited about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Uh, and this is what I actually love about Bitcoin and crypto is because you get a system that you can trust with 100% user consent. They like you, So you have a trusting system where you have complete freedom, uh, where the users get to choose with their data. And I actually suspect that's behind the boom in all this investment in the cryptocurrency market. And, you know, we go through these and we go through these cycles of investment, but there just continues to be more money put in the cryptocurrency space. And from people looking outside of it, they don't understand what's going on. But what it is, is you have this system where you have freedom and you have trust built into the protocol. Uh, and that's just a great place for people to build market economies. And so I suspect that this market is going to keep growing and occupy more and more of the space, uh, just like, you know, you see South Korea now has a booming economy compared to North Korea uh, over the, you know, I think it's inevitable. Right. And that's what I tell people when I talk about crypto. Like, it's great to learn about this technology because, you know, it absolutely just has to happen. Um, th this is the market finding a release valve from all of these controls. Yeah, it's, nothing's inevitable. You have to fight for your freedom. You have to keep pushing. But, but um, there is, you did a, put something in my head, and that, or, that is when people come to me and they say, well, wh are you gonna, when are you going to sell your Bitcoin? And I say, into what? And, it, and they're going, what, what do you mean? And I say, well, wait, you want me to take the currency of the future and sell it into the currency of the past? You know, you want me to take my Bitcoin and move it into like fiat dollars, whatever? No way. Why would I ever do that? I've got the currency of the future and it seems like it's the rest of the world is coming along. You know, we've got a, we've got a good thing going. I, in fact, I, it, I'm a little baffled that, that Bitcoin doesn't just keep uh, rising at a super high rate because who's selling? You know, I, I guess people need to buy things. And I guess I would, that, that would be the way I would use my Bitcoin. I would invest it or I would spend it, but I would not turn it back into dollars. 
I would not turn it into the old currency when I've got the, the, the beauty of the new currency and the new technology and all the great things. Well, so uh, I know you used to invest in crypto companies, or at least uh, Boost VC, which is run by your son, Adam. Uh, and we used to invest in companies with Bitcoin very early on. And I'm actually kind of curious, when you think about your investments, since you're not looking to take them back out into dollars when you're looking at venture, are you actually thinking about them in terms of like how many Bitcoins you think this company is going to be? <laughs> is that the future of investing? You're trying to price things versus the, uh, oh, the index yeah. currency. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, uh, <laughs> I realized... Now, when I was, um, Bitcoin was about 200 and I made a bunch of investments in Bitcoin. And I said, I'd give uh, 300 Bitcoin for 4% of the company to all these startups. And the ones who kind of held, you know, just worked it down, did so much better than the ones who sold it all, turned it into dollars and and then uh, tried to run their businesses. It, it just gave them more runway, more leeway. Uh, uh, but I realized that I was paying, you know, now, if you did that, you'd be paying, you know, $100 million. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you know, you help, you help seed a lot of entrepreneurs with that money and a lot of great ideas that went out there uh, and that are going to go on to, to change the world. And we look at it now on our corporate balance sheet and it's a better asset, you know, like you saw Michael Saylor out there and then Elon Musk. I think it's going to be pretty soon when you see other huge companies put this on. Uh, like we're not that far from Apple or Microsoft. So I'm actually going to ask for another prediction here. What do you think if you were to pick a couple, you can pick more than one if you want, but what is your prediction on the next Fortune 500 company to add Bitcoin to the balance sheet? Oh. Brad, I'm going to ask you too. So, <laughs> you know, you know I, I would have said the first thing I would that came to mind was it's got to be a Fortune 100 company that has a an innovative founder and so i was going to go with facebook but i know that they had a competitive offering that got shot down by the government and they're sensitive to the i i think the the four that are under doj investigations are not going to want to do this but i probably but i think it's probably the right thing for them to do i i think that they you know, if I'm the CFO of one of those big organizations, I am saying we we have to own X percent in Bitcoin because it's a hedge against, you know, uh, an, another currency becoming the currency of the future. And it's also a hedge against inflation as governments keep printing more of their um, funny money dollars. Uh, well, I'm going to go to. So oh, go ahead. Yeah. If you have a prediction, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So if I were to pick one, it's a witch. Oh, you know what? Who it might be is Netflix. Netflix. I think Reed, I think Reed Hastings is a very innovative guy and has a lot of um, creative thinking. And I think he's still, um, controls the reins at Netflix. And so I think that that might be the next big one to fall. Let's, uh, well, I want to. Otherwise, it, I mean, now Google could do something, but I think that all of them, I think Google and Facebook and Apple, all trying to uh, see if they create a currency that's centralized that's theirs. And I, so, and Amazon, they're probably not. <laughs> 
Although Amazon will probably start accepting Bitcoin pretty soon. In fact, you can get Bitcoin on Amazon. I mean, you can pay Bitcoin to get an Amazon product today through a variety of different software packages on their balance sheet. Well, you know who else is going to have to do it is all the pensions, all the people who are fiduciaries and have to take care of people's money. They are going to have to own some Bitcoin because that is their fiduciaries. You know, they they need to understand all the markets and see where they're where there's potential gain, potential loss, hedging needed, all of that. Uh, so I think you're going to see, you know, you saw BlackRock already stepping up, I'm sure. Oh, and and uh, Fidelity has been big into Bitcoin, but mostly because Adam Draper has been so uh, par- partnered with Fidelity in a great way. Uh, so I think he's he's encouraged that. But Fidelity has been a, a big Bitcoin belief. So, yeah. So I, if I had to pick one that was sort of an interesting tech, it would have been Zuckerberg, but he might look at it as competitive. So I'd say Reed Hastings. I think I think Netflix is an excellent choice. So Brad, I'm going to get you on the record here. See if you have a choice. <laughs> I'll pass it your way. Uh, what's your prediction there for the, the next company to to put it on the balance sheet? Uh, well, I don't I don't think that the Google founders maybe maybe need to. I read that Sergey has been has you know been playing around with crypto, so maybe they've got themselves covered with their uh, with their personal investments at, at this point in time. Uh, and don't feel the need to mess with Google itself. But uh, yeah, I would think the uh, I would think some of the uh, some of the uh, the hedge funds and the inv- and, and the you know the large piles of money that need to that need to uh, make returns. And I think it's becoming more acceptable for them to do it. So why not do it? I think the only reason they probably wouldn't have done it previously was because they didn't want to look bad and the money wasn't big enough yet. But one trillion plus market cap, and who knows where it's going to go in this next round? I think. There's enough. There's enough on the table for them that it would make sense, and they would probably look irresponsible if they don't do it and others do it. And I think they all follow each other. So, well, I guess I owe a prediction now. So I'm going to go with Visa <laughs> because I think that they're they're getting much more they're getting much more innovative in this space here. Uh, and I also think it's good for consumer branding. You know that once Elon Musk does something, all of a sudden it becomes acceptable for everybody else to do the same thing. So I think we'll, I think we'll see it go that way. Well, I think, um, so we got our predictions around here. I wanted to make sure, uh, Brad or Diana, do you have any final questions here uh, for Tim? Wait, Diana, we haven't heard your prediction. Oh man. I, I, I don't know that I'm qualified to make a prediction yet. So I, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to. Absolutely. You have a Bitcoin wallet yourself. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. You are, you are perfectly qualified. I want to hear your Oh, man. I feel like uh, I don't think it's going to be, I don't really see it being Facebook. I think you guys all have good predictions, but just to throw another one in the mix, I, I'll, say, I'll say Walmart. That's my prediction. Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, well, Tim, again, I wanted to thank you uh, for your time coming on here with us today. It's been fantastic to have you. We covered all sorts of great topics from uh, e-residency in Estonia to uh, why you know freedom and trust are integral to uh, successful economies and also a big part of crypto just in general. Uh, and We've made a lot of predictions on here, so people can come back and listen to this podcast, uh, and and we'll see we'll see how close we are on some of these things. It'll be pretty fun to do it. So, Tim, thanks again for coming. Uh, love having you. Yeah, my pleasure. I'll do it anytime. Let me know when you want to do it again. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tim.
Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this episode. We'll be back again with another episode of The Unstoppable Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Unstoppable Podcast. If something I said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, download the podcast, and share this episode on social media with your network. This helps other people find us. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. We can continue the conversation on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, or ideas to me at Matthew E. Gould. We look forward to chatting with you, and thanks again for listening.